Well, hey, thou shalt not make church boring. And uh, we're so glad you're here in our summer playlist series where uh, we are taking a little bit of truth in a summer playlist song and applying that and also seeing what the Word of God says. On top of that, with a playlist has different authors, we're hearing from different speakers during the summer, and I get to be a part of not only uh, preparing for what's next at Timber Creek Church, but sitting in and, and, and being fed as well. Uh, and so I'm so excited to introduce our speaker today. Uh, I have known them their entire life. Uh, they are one of the three children uh, my mother gave birth to that we know about, and and um, uh, <laughs> and uh, she is the youngest and the favorite. And um, uh, we are, uh, my mom and dad are pastors. They are overseers of pastors in the state of Kansas. 140 different churches in the state of Kansas. They oversee them as district superintendents, and and we grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, but my brother and his wife are pastors uh, in a, in a multi-site church in Kansas. Uh, my sister and her uh, husband, my brother-in-law, they are pastors uh, in a church in Kansas. Uh, we are a pastor in the great state of Texas. And uh, <laughs> easy. And uh, uh, here's what's crazy. Like ministry was never the family business. It's not like dad would take us on, you know, rides to the grocery store and say, hey, someday you're going to do this and you're gonna be that. But I wanna say something to you parents. Um, because my mom and dad were the same on the porch than they were in the pulpit, the same, the, because they were the same, they were authentic with Jesus all the way down. There was something so attractive about that. It just happened to translate that all of us became ministers. And uh, it, just, it just happened to be that way. That may not be the story that you're, you tell with, with your kids, but for us, uh, it's just a beautiful thing. We were celebrating the other day that in our three churches, it's just something so cool, you know, and what, our three churches at Easter had over 10,000 people at, at Easter services, and my, my dad said, that's twice the size of the town of the cities we pastored in, and to see the kind of impact that legacy does of just serving Jesus all the way down, it makes a difference. Eight years ago, Troy and Lacey, my sister and brother-in-law, parachuted in to Manhattan, uh, Manhattan, Kansas, the Little Apple. And uh, they parachuted in, meaning that they'd had, uh, they knew one person. They parachuted in with their two daughters uh, to plant a church. Uh, they believe there ought to be a life-giving church in that area, and she'll tell more about it. But eight years later, that church is booming. They have been portable this entire time, not having a building, having to go from one location to the next, to the next, to the next. And the last year, finally, the movie theater they've been renting out for so long, they got to buy the entire movie theater. They, they are running well over a thousand people, having launched just, and we got to be a part of investing seed in their church plant, we get to be a part of that. We get, we get some of that return on the mutual fund that we invested in into Rock Hills Church. Lacey is not only one of the lead pastors there, she also is a, a network development specialist through Church Multiplication Network, meaning that she connects relationships with other church planters in the region, in the Midwest. She gets church planters together and they build relationship. It can be lonely uh, planting a church and, and she uh, oversees all of that. It is my privilege to, to have speaking for the first time with Timber Creek Church. Would you give a great warm welcome to my sister, Lacey Hartman. Thank you, buddy. Love you. 
Oh, goodness. Well, what an honor to be here in the TCC house. I mean, it is a pleasure. Y'all are amazing. I, I don't know about you, Knack and Groves. You guys have got to be good looking because this place is real good looking. Um, but, but I know what, what a gift it is to be a part of the family of God. Because just like Pastor Jeremy just said, when you guys win, when you launch campuses, when people are baptized and saved, when there's kids worshiping and taking next steps and teenagers coming back from camp having heard from God, when that's happening here, me and my family get to celebrate that in Kansas because we're part of the family. And when God is revolutionizing military families and college students and international students from K-State University, guess what? You got a piece of that. Because you said, you know what, we're not just going to focus on East Texas. We're going to say, you know what, our yes is on the table. And if it's kingdom, we're in. And so thank you. Thank you for investing. But I do. Isn't it awesome that our church family is not only in Lufkin, but in Knack and Groves and Dieball and Duncan. And there's probably some parents with some hot cheeks on a hot bleacher today because they're at a baseball tournament, <laughs> and they're, they're watching online. So everybody, in person, can we welcome our online family and our locations? <laughs> but I, I do, before we jump into what I believe God wants to speak to each of us, I do just want to give honor where honor is due. Love you so much, JY and JY. <laughs> Jeremy and Janet, you guys are a gift to my life. You have been so patient over the years. I think I was 13 when Janet entered our family, and she's only 21, but you know, do the, do the math. And, um, but you have always been, I never had a sister, and I'm so grateful that I now have two, because I have two amazing sister-in-laws. But you guys have, outside of Jared and my parents, the best pastors. So can you just honor your pastors? God is doing something significant in East Texas, and do not take it for granted, and so thank you for letting me share today, but um, I have something that I'm about to tell you, and I, I just want to prepare you that it may make you feel like you're going to vomit, so I'm just being kind, just want to give you a heads up, that we make over 35,000 choices every day. 35,000, that is 2,000 choices every hour or one choice every two seconds. So no wonder we're exhausted by the end of the day, right? But we all make choices and our choices add up to something, don't they? Our choices make a difference. Our choices are leading us to destinations. And so I believe God has a choice that he's going to lay before us today but since it's the dog days of summer, and it is super hot in East Texas, I think we need to move around a little bit. So, so we're going to play a little game, all right? And so you came, oh, yes, amen, yes. We love games. And um, I didn't pay my niece to do that, by the way. She really is just joyful and excited to play a game. So we're going to play a game at every location, all right? So get ready, Groves, get ready, Knack, get ready. If you're online, wherever you're at, we're gonna play the stand-up, sit-down game. 
And so if you grew up in a tradition where you stood up and sat down a lot in your tradition, I'm just bringing you some good memories today, all right? Um, if you have not yet had your cardio in, which we're in second service, so you probably have, um, but if you haven't got your cardio in, then you're welcome, because that's about to happen. And don't say you don't come to church and get anything out of it, because this is about to happen, all right? And so if you're online, you can't, we can't see if you're standing up, but God can. And, um, <laughs> but what you can do is put your little um, hand emoji in the chat, all right? So we, we all, we're all gonna make some choices today. We're gonna get to know each other a little bit. So I'm gonna ask a question. Every location, if you would choose this, you gotta stand up, okay? So if you chose to get up before your alarm went off today, please stand up. Hey, and that's in second service. So we've got some overachievers with us today. Welcome. That's awesome. Okay, sit down, sit down. Good job, guys. Good job. Um, stand up if you chose to have more than one cup of coffee today. Okay, any honest people in the room? Yes, me too. I just had my second. It may be a third cup today. All right, have a seat, have a seat, excellent. Um, let's see, if you would choose a lake day over a spa day, please stand up. All right, yes. Man, some of you stood right up. You're like, in the name of Jesus, I'm headed to the lake soon. That's awesome, okay, take a seat, take a seat. Now this one may hurt some feelings. Stand up if you would choose a dog over a cat. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, there's hands in the room. Yeah, we're gonna have a praise fest. Okay, sit down. Now, we are a church anyone can come to. So all of you cat lovers, we love you so much. And uh, we just don't love your cats. Okay. Uh, stand up. Be honest. Stand up if you have chosen to post a picture of you and a fish that you caught on social media. Yeah, <laughs> did you hear that? Dad, yes, I love it. Okay, good job, good job, good job everybody. Now sit down, now I'm not gonna have you stand back up if you like position the camera or your thumb in such a way to make that fish look bigger than it really is. Um, not that I've done that, I actually haven't because I don't like touching fish, but the guy that I'm married to maybe, maybe has. Um, but he's not here, so I can't call him out. Stand up <laughs> if you would choose football over basketball. Football, all right, we are in Texas, so I kind of makes sense. Okay, have a seat, have a seat. Good job, everybody. Okay, I'm gonna see who my people are. Stand up if you would choose Coke over Pepsi. Any day, you're my girl. Okay, there's a lot of Coke people over here in Lufkin. All right, awesome, have a seat. Okay, here's one, and we're, we're, we're coming in for a close on the game, okay? Stand up, and again, remember, this is a safe place. Stand up if you would choose the Astros over the Rangers. <laughs> Awesome, nice, okay, okay, have a seat, have a seat. Okay, prepare your heart for this one. Stand up if you're ready for this game to be over. <laughs> there's, there's no honest people in the room, there's a few hands, okay. Oh, Papa, 
back, Groves. My dad just stood up. That's not nice. That's not, but this is his second game of the day, so that makes sense. We all make choices, don't we? The choices we make influence the people around us. The choices we make will either, either influence those around us for good, they will influence those around us for evil, or they will influence others around us in neutral. I'm not sure which is worse. But today I believe God is saying to you and I that we have a choice to make. Because his will for you, I know God's will for you. I'm so glad you came to church today because I know you've been wondering what it is. But God's will for you is to make an eternal difference. It is his will for you. So whether you are retired, you're an empty nester, you're a teenager, you're a young adult, college student, grandma, papa, whatever your stage or season of life, God has created you to make an eternal difference. So the question is not, will he choose you? The question is not, does he want to use you? And the question isn't even in, like, are you capable no, the question is, will you allow Jesus, will you choose to say, yes, you can use my life to make a difference in the people around me? That's the choice that I believe God is putting in front of us today. And we're gonna look at the how, because I don't know about you, I like practical like, I love God's word, and I love how practical Jesus is, because Jesus doesn't call us to something that he doesn't show us how to do it. So in Matthew chapter 5, this is where, where we're going to spend some time together today, and this is what Jesus tells us, that if you're going to leverage your life to make a difference in the spaces and the spheres of influence that God has given you, this is how you do it. And then if I could sing, I would sing that song. This is how you do it. Here we go. Let me tell you why you're here. Isn't this awesome? You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. Jesus said, you're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bears, Jesus said, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there, Lufkin, Groves, Knack, teenager, grandma, papa, I'm putting you on that light stand, so shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you're gonna prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. It's powerful. You know the two most important days of our life, the day that we're born and the day we find out why. As followers of Jesus, this is your why. We were created to be salt and light. Now, over here, I've got some different light bulbs and, and salt shakers. So, you know, this salt shaker 
is fancy, all right? <laughs> so I probably wouldn't have this salt shaker on my table because I'm not very fancy, but I think it's very pretty. So you may see this salt shaker at a more fancy establishment or a restaurant, right? Um, but same, same salt is, is, is in that salt shaker as, let's see, as this salt shaker, right? So this salt shaker is a little more farmhouse vibe, right? Any farmhouse people in here? Like you just love how that looks, and I, I love it. I think this is adorable. So you have your, your farmhouse, um, but it's got the same type of salt um, that is in the fancy salt um, shaker. And then, oh guys, you've got to check how cute. Look at the cutest dinosaur salt shaker you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> You're like, that's the only dinosaur salt shaker I've seen in my life. Yeah, me too. And, um, and so it's awesome. So there, there's all sorts of different salt shakers, right? But then you've also got different light bulbs. So, so you've got kind of your basic simple light bulb that you would put this in uh, maybe a lamp in your office or in, in your a bedside table. Um, it might, you know, you might be able to use it like in a, in a light in your hallway or light in your living room. You've got this, this is another fancy light bulb, but it's kind of vintage, right? It, it's got these really cool shapes on it. It's different, it's unique. You've got your table lamp. They, they each serve a purpose, but then like if you're at one of our locations right now, kind of look up and you're gonna see some big lights in these auditoriums, right? So what if we asked one of these lights in the auditorium to go into a cubicle, that would not be very nice to whoever is in the cubicle, right? Because that, that light is designed to light up a room for over a thousand people. It's not designed to be in a cubicle, right? So, so a salt shaker, it has the same type of salt, whether I'm a farmhouse shaker or I am a fancy shaker, the point is, we just gotta be in the design that's gonna be on purpose, right? Like there's not one salt shaker that's better than another. There's not one light bulb that's better than another. It's when they are using their gifts, their design to make a difference when they're in the auditorium and they were created for the auditorium, when they're in the cubicle they were created for, then that's when they're gonna make the most difference. Now I don't know about you, <laughs> but I haven't always appreciated my design. I haven't always appreciated the vessel that I've been in. And this came especially apparent when we were planting Rock Hills Church. So we would, for the first nine months before the church ever started, we would come to places like Lufkin and, and share what God was doing and we would you know, meet with friends and community leaders and tell them God is asking us to go plant a church in Manhattan. And before we could get Kansas out, they would be like, oh, the Big Apple, that's amazing. They would be so excited. They would think we were very cool. And then in like a fraction of a second, <laughs> that would all change. Because we'd say, oh, no, not, not the big apple. We're, we're going to the little apple, Manhattan, Kansas. And I don't know if people do this to you, but do you think that people forget that we can see their face when we're talking to them? 
These people sure did, because it was like, you know, New York, so they have this big smile, eyebrows up, and then Kansas, and they're like, uh. And then they realize, oh darn it, my face is saying, uh, and then they like pretend to smile again, right? Like so awkward. Can I tell you though, <laughs> that it began to wear on us. And it began to feel as if, well, is Kansas just, is this kind of the farmhouse shaker? Like, are we just in the type of, are we just the vessels that we don't have the capacity, like we're not cool enough, we're not smart enough, we can't connect with people in New York City, so God's calling us to Kansas. And we began to look at the call that God had chosen us for as less than. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it is not pleasant. <laughs> and God wants to remind each and every one of us that yes, we make thousands of choices every day, but do you know that he chose you? He chose you. He chose you that has a past. He chose you that had that struggle. He chose you that doesn't have the whole Bible memorized. <laughs> he chose you that didn't grow up on the right side of the tracks. He chose you and you are designed divinely with a unique set of skills, with a unique design that is gonna reach people in the spheres of influence that he has placed you because there is no purposeless place and he wants you to fully engage in the design that you're in. It's not any better or worse than anyone else, but it's yours and you don't wanna give it up and so then the Lord began to do this heart surgery at us and then it was different. We began to say, instead of waiting in Manhattan, Kansas, we would say, man, <laughs> God has chosen us to go to the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas. 65% of the community doesn't have faith, 65%. So that means there's international students, there's servicemen and women at Fort Riley Army Base, there's college students at K-State University that God has chosen us to help them get a better glimpse of Jesus. So we may be a farmhouse salt shaker, awesome. If you're a fancy salt shaker, if you are the dinosaur salt shaker, you just lean in, all right? You may have a little bit of extra going on and that's awesome. <laughs> use it, use it to help other people get a better glimpse of Jesus. So he's chosen us, will we step in to the how? And this is the how, Jesus chose salt on purpose. Everything that Jesus said had a purpose. So when he said salt, we've gotta lean in and understand, well why would Jesus use something as common as salt? Well this is why, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus knew that salt is essential. Without salt, the fluids in our bodies would not be kept in proper balance. The ocean contains a fourth pound of salt for every one gallon of water. Without salt, our oceans would be rotten cesspools. That would not be the vacation destination that they are. Because <laughs> a little bit of salt goes a long way. 
Salt is essential. So when Jesus says to the original audience and then to us today at every location, he's saying you are indispensable to the spheres of influence, the people I've put around you, you are going to help make a difference in their life. You are essential where you are. And a huge part of being essential is because Jesus knows that when we step into our calling and when we don't just stay in the salt shaker of our church, but we kind of shake it out, right? Like salt's only effective if it's out of the shaker. Those eggs only taste good if you give a little shake, right? And so when we are stepping outside of our church, We've gotta make sure that when we're stepping into our offices, we're stepping into the gym, we're stepping into that hospital, we're stepping into that cubicle, that we're not stepping in like, here I am, I've arrived. We all probably know people like that and they drive us nuts. And if you don't know somebody like that, that could be because you're that person. But God wants us to be salt because he knows it's essential that we aren't walking into spaces saying, here I am. No, we're walking into spaces saying, there you are. We've got our arrows out. We're walking into spaces and we're calling out value. We're calling out life. We're making a difference. There you are. I don't know if you remember, my kids were just watching this recently, the movie Hook. Remember the movie Hook with Robin Williams? Man, it's excellent, it's so sweet, it's nostalgic now. But there's this part in this movie where Robin Williams is Peter Pan and Peter Pan is in Never Never Land and he has forgotten his original identity. He's forgotten his purpose, he's, he, he's, he's hurting, he's in pain, he doesn't know who he is and so he's surrounded by the lost boys. And the lost boys honestly are kind of determining you know, maybe we just need to give up on him because he just doesn't remember. But there's one little boy that walks up to Peter and you can see a picture of it. It's precious. He puts his sweet little hands on Peter's face and he says, there you are, Peter. Don't you want to be that kind of person that walks into rooms, that walks into classrooms, dorm rooms, offices, board meetings, construction site, oil rigs, like wherever God has placed you, and we're walking in, not saying here I am, but there you are. We're helping people discover their original identity. There is nothing greater. We are essential to making a difference of what God wants to do on this earth. It's not you are the salt of TCC location, no, you are the salt of the earth. We cannot leave our salt in our buildings or even our homes. We have got to take our salt into the spaces and places that Jesus has called us to. We are one conversation away from transforming not only a life but a generation. What conversation, what person, is waiting for you to say, yes, I will make the choice to be salt and light, as Jesus has asked me to. Salt also permeates. If you take a pinch of salt and sprinkle it in a glass of water, it's gonna affect the whole water, right? A little bit of salt goes a long way. If you're the only student 
in your whole class that love Jesus, if you're the only one, a little bit of Jesus in you is gonna go a long way. If you're the only person in that office complex, if you're the only person that's gonna stand up with love and grace and truth and call out the life and the abundant life that God has for each and every one of us, that is enough. It's enough because Jesus in you is enough. So also preserves, this is huge. So obviously in Jesus' time, there were no refrigerators. So they would use salt to preserve their meat. They would use salt to preserve their vegetables. It it helped things stay fresh longer. So what was Jesus communicating to his earliest followers and to us today? He's saying, I have called you to delay decay. Delay decay in the spaces that I've placed you in. As followers of Jesus, we are a preservative influence. We may not always see it, but God is using us to make a difference. So let me ask you this. What in your words, in your attitude, your countenance, do you reveal to the world around you most consistently? Most consistently. We all are human, just like Pastor Jeremy said. Like we all have our days when, when we're not feeling it, okay? But what is most consistent? Are people getting a better glimpse of Jesus? Are you, are, are you owning it when you mess up and you're apologizing? Are you, are, are you saying, man, you know what? I, I'm so sorry. We totally started gossiping because I started gossiping. I shouldn't have led us there. Please forgive me. I'm sorry about that. Are, are you owning it? Are, are you saying, you know what? Let, let's... Let's delay the decay in the places and places that we've been. And a huge part of how we are going to delay decay is with our countenance. It's with how we live and express joy. In Philippians 4, we see the Apostle Paul says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do you know what rejoice means? It just means re-up your joy. (laughs) I find this fascinating that you see this multiple times through Philippians because Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is pinning these words and literally he is chained to two Roman guards. It's not like he's in Cancun, you know, like, hey, rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) No, he is in suffering. Man, he's in a dark place. He doesn't know if he's gonna walk out of this jail cell because of his faith, and yet he's saying, re-up your joy. Over 200 times in scripture, we see joy or rejoice. You find it in Psalm over and over, but be glad in the Lord, rejoice, re-up your joy, O righteous. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are righteous. And you know what righteous means? That you have right standing with the Son of God. (laughs) That you are no longer defined by what you've done. Your hurts, your habits, your hangups are not your story. Are they part of it? Yes, but they have been redeemed. And now you are righteous. That Jesus literally, because of what he did on the cross and because you made the choice to receive it, now your sin is separated from you as far as the east is to the west. And isn't it amazing? I love how science and God connect. (laughs) 
I love that when you realize that scientists, when they find all of these new discoveries and, and the billions of galaxies, and they're like, we don't even, we haven't even found everything yet. Of course not, because God's so big. But he keeps giving us pieces and helping us see, whoa, so he separates my sin as far as the east is from the west, and we don't even know how far that is. That's how far. That's how righteous you are because of who Jesus is, right? <laughs> Psalm 64, let the righteous one rejoice. Take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exult. Habakkuk, this is an important word, yet. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I don't know about you, but there's several moments where I have to choose joy. I have to remember the joy of my salvation. I have to remember the joy of deliverance, the joy that Jesus is coming again. I have to remind myself of the joy of freedom, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I, sometimes my mom always said, you can't feel your way to an action, but you can't act your way to a feeling. And so that is exactly what Habakkuk is doing of yet I will rejoice. I will sing for joy. Joel 2, fear not. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The command to rejoice is as clear as the command to love God and love people. The world needs joy-filled Christians. I don't know about you, but there are, have been too many examples of gloomy Christians or gloomy churches where it seems like their marketing strategy is, hey, come to my church and we'll make you feel even more guilty than when you came in, right? Or hey, come follow me and I will teach you the misery of religion. <laughs> it's not real inviting, right? Or hey, come follow me and you can be as mean-spirited as I am. Hey, come, come, come follow me and, and maybe as I follow Jesus, you can begin to gossip as good as I can. It convicts me too, everybody. <laughs> what is our countenance? What is our attitude? What are the words that we're saying most often? When people are around us, are they getting more joy? Or are we trading the joy of the Lord for our preferences? Are we trading our, our faith for fear? Are we trading our peace for worry? I mean, that, that is what happens when we begin to lose our saltiness. That's one of the saddest verses I think that Jesus said. When you lose your saltiness, people can't taste godliness. When we lose our saltiness, we lose our leverage in culture. And I would venture to say we could all probably give a example of how the big C church has lost some leverage in culture because we haven't thought and acted like Jesus how we should. But it's not just the big C church, it's me. Man, I've lied. I've gossiped. I've overeaten. <laughs> I've been impatient. I've had impure thoughts. I've been greedy. I've been stingy. I haven't fulfilled the responsibilities that I was given and, and hurt people, which I actually did that to Pastor Jeremy and Janet's first dog. They asked me to take care of Cooper while they were out of town. And a couple days go by and my mom says, hey, how's Cooper doing? 
<laughs> I, I'm sure he's fine. Got in the car, <laughs> went over, and all of you dog people now want to hurt me. Cooper was fine. Uh, there were several messes that I got to clean up and never forgot about that again. But we, we all have lost our saltiness. We all have. But isn't it awesome to serve the Lord that his mercy is new every day? Isn't it awesome that we can serve the Lord who says, you know what, I know that you had that gap, but I'm gonna fill it with my mercy and my grace and my compassion. I know that you lost your temper then, but thank you that you're repenting. You're saying, that's not who I wanna be, and I'm gonna help you become more and more like me. I'm so thankful the psalmist, David, after he had sinned, he penned these words, I'm so ashamed. I feel pain and anguish within me. I can't get away from the sting of my sin against you. I mean, he goes on and he's just establishing his holy grief and everybody, holy grief is important. We've gotta recognize that, oh, we are broken and in need of a savior that when we make choices that are opposite of thinking and acting like Jesus, that we own it, we repent, and we can know he's already forgiven us. And from this day forward, I'm gonna think and act more like Jesus. He's a from this day forward kind of God. But in verse eight, I love this. After David has expressed his holy grief, he says, satisfy me in your sweetness and my song of joy will return. Some of you today feel as if your song of joy has diminished. And can I just encourage you to land in Psalm 51? <laughs> and know that Jesus is ready to satisfy you, and as you continue to make the choice to show up just like you did today, that song of joy is gonna return. It's a promise. He will not leave you in the dust. But here's another way to put it. Jesus said, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. I think Jesus is saying, light him up, <laughs> right? He's saying, light him up, Knack. Light him up, Groves. Light him up, Lufkin. Show my God colors to the people and the places that I've put you in. You're like, what are God colors? His mercy, his compassion, his grace, his justice. Isn't it amazing how when we see an injustice, something rises up within us to fix it? That when we see good things happen to bad people or bad things that happen to good people and there's something in us that's like, ah, oh, that just doesn't feel right. Or when we see kids that are hungry or we, we see natural disasters and just suffering. And we, it, I, I know you felt that, just a weight that comes over you. You're like, goodness, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something better. There's gotta be a solution. Could it be, this is what I believe, could it be that you were designed in the very image of God and one of God's character traits is that he is just and so he has placed us this side of heaven so that we would experience those emotions, those realities, and he's placed us here because he wants us to be a part of the solution. Absolutely. He wants us to say, I see that injustice and I'm gonna do something about it. And there's some injustices that we're just gonna have to trust that he will make all things new one day. But the ones that we can have control over, 
man, we need to act. Think and act more like Jesus. Help other people get a better glimpse of his love, his grace, his mercy. I think sometimes, especially in our culture, we can be so focused on what we're against that we end up not giving people a very good glimpse of who our Jesus is. But then we're so grateful that Jesus is so patient and kind with our own sin. And so could it be that Jesus is saying, hey, I was 100% truth and 100% grace. I want you to be more like me. I think Jesus would say, if you are gonna be my salt, think and act more like me, and how are we gonna do that? Well, (laughs) we've gotta be in his word. We've gotta take steps to be around his people. That like being salt and light, being effective, worshiping, walking in the divine design that he's given us will not happen on accident. It's going to be on purpose. So what's your step today? Maybe your step is a heart check. It's a heart check. Maybe it is the kind of the acronym of SALT. When I think about SALT, I think about these four things. Check my spirit. So out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I'm gonna check my spirit. I'm gonna check my attitude. Sometimes our greatest act of worship is our attitude. (laughs) I'm, I'm gonna check how I'm loving people. And then I'm gonna check my time, talent, and treasure. How am I spending my time? How am I spending the talent that God has given me? How am I spending the treasure that he's giving me? Do a heart check. If we gave you $10 for every positive word you said, or you had to pay somebody 10 bucks for every negative word you said, would you be rich or poor? And take that up between you and Jesus. Jesus doesn't call us out to condemn us. He calls us out to restore us, everybody. So if you're experiencing some conflicting emotion right now, that's holy grief, and Jesus is ready to give you holy joy, but you've gotta take the step. So maybe it's a heart check, maybe it's a joy check. (laughs) To say, God, how often am I rejoicing? How often am I recalling the over 7,000 promises in your word that can give me true joy? Maybe it's a joy check, maybe it's a systems check. I don't know about you, but (laughs) getting older is automatic, getting better isn't. (laughs) What are our daily systems to think and act more like Jesus? What are our weekly systems, our monthly systems, our yearly systems? There was a study of 400,000 followers of Jesus and the impact the Bible, reading the Bible had on their life. Check this out. One to three times a week had negligible effect. Didn't make a difference. But when people in this study began to read God's word four times or more, check this out. Loneliness dropped 30%. Anger dropped 32%. Bitterness dropped 40%. Sexual sin dropped 60%. Those who felt like they'd been spiritually stuck or stagnant dropped 62%. Four times or more in the Word. But get this, people in the Word four times or more a week sharing their faith with others, not just by being nice, but with their words, sharing their faith increased by 200%. (laughs) And discipling others which discipling means helping others think and act like Jesus, 
that increased 230%. So maybe that's a system. If you're not in the word, man, get in the word. Get in the word. A practical system we wanna give you today is a sticker that you can put on the back of your phone because you take your phone everywhere. <laughs> if you'd rather put it on your Stanley cup or your computer, that's awesome. But it has a light bulb and it has a salt shaker. So a systems check is, okay, I'm going to see something every day to remind me that I'm called to make a difference. I'm called, I'm essential, I'm indispensable. My life matters. <laughs> it's on purpose that I'm here. And when you leave today at every location, you can get one of those stickers, just something practical. But let me close with this story. In Death Valley, it rains less than two inches a year. So I actually have a picture of Death Valley. It's barren, it's devoid of color. I mean, plants and animals struggle to survive here. It is a hard place. But what happens every so often is what's called a super bloom. And check this out. <laughs> you see annual wildflowers are below the surface the entire time. They're just waiting for the right conditions to bloom. Some of you feel like you are in Death Valley today. And God is saying, it's on purpose you're here. I've chosen you, I delight in you. And today is the day that I'm gonna bring life. I'm gonna bring beauty for your ashes. Some of you today, you have a prodigal. And I know that it gets tiring because you wanna give up on praying, <laughs> but you keep praying because there is a seed of change right under the surface. And can I encourage all of us that many of us are answers to prayers that are being prayed in classrooms that you're gonna go into, in offices that you're going into. There are grandmas and papas and brothers and sisters that are praying, oh God, please let somebody interact with that friend today that loves you. Let somebody interact with that relative, that associate, that neighbor. God, would you, would you use somebody that says, I'm not gonna be a shaker that stays in the salt shaker, but I am gonna take the salt of Jesus and I'm gonna pour it out with kindness and love and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And you're gonna get to be the answer to somebody's prayer. And you maybe won't get to meet them until heaven, but in heaven, they're gonna say, thank you that you did not not hide your light, that you did not hide God, but that you said, no matter what, if I'm not invited to those parties anymore, if I get picked over for that promotion because of my faith in Jesus, if I have to say no to that vacation because, of, because I'm giving and I'm tithing, I'm being generous, that you can say, with Jesus, I'm not missing out. I'm not missing out. We're not missing out. So let's all take a step. So I don't want, I just encourage you, use this moment, this is a holy moment. So every location, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Nothing spiritual about closing our eyes, <laughs> but it sure helps us focus and this is a holy moment. So today, Jesus, would you quicken our hearts to what our next step is? Is it a heart check? <laughs> is it a joy check? It is, a, is it a systems check? God, we wanna think and act more like Jesus. The world doesn't need more of me. The world needs more of you. 
And as followers of Jesus, no matter your age, the same size Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. <laughs> and he's ready to use you to make a difference. God uses his salt and light. And for those of you that have yet to make the choice to believe and receive Jesus, I hope that today you simply say, Jesus, I choose you. I give you my life. Use it for good. Thank you that you've died on the cross. You rose from the dead and you have a plan and a purpose for my life. I receive you, I choose you, and God, thank you in advance that you're gonna use my life to impact the lives around me. What a God, in Jesus' name, amen.